Hello and welcome to our global S&OP community weekly podcast Brought to you by Ahmed Khalid and Ahmed Al-Hamamsi from Middle East Our global S&OP community podcast mission is to build a global community from supply chain, marketing, trade marketing, sales and finance all over the world Where everyone's voice could be heard and listened Every week we host a new episode with great thought leader in the S&OP industry. We believe that one word, one story, or one conversation could open up the light in the screen of your consciousness and you'll never be the same again. We discuss hot and trending topics with our subject matter experts by asking the right questions that uncover their valuable experience in our show. You can visit our website ahmedkhaled.com .co Stay tuned every week with our global S&OP community podcast. And our thought leader today is Dr. Arpan Dev. And let me introduce Arpan. Arpan is a gl- the global uh, process manager at Unilever. He has more than uh, almost 12 years of experience in business consultancy and uh, managing people. His experience in business uh, 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 analyzing, uh, anal- analysis and the process setting is really remarkable. Uh, I would say panic and frustration are not defined in his dictionary at all when it comes to executing or solving a problems or solving uh, a conflict. I would say he enjoyed this, solving the conflicts and the problems that are not easy to be solved. Uh, I do the, I still remember his mantra is don't chase perfection, but rather chase progress. When it comes to business, he puts always people first as he believes that people are the most asset for any company. Definitely, without further due introduction, may I ask you please to welcome with us our great thought leader today, Dr. Arpandev. And before just introducing him, as usual, let's give him the great applause. Yeah. to the second one but, yes uh, let me start the first question that we have just on the preparation of uh, the episode today to our lovely great salt leader today dr arpan so dr arpan so what are the essential elements i would say uh, we should take it or look at it when it comes to assessing the efficiency of a process that's an interesting one and uh <laughs> Let me perhaps um, take an example to try and uh, answer that. Uh, uh, the word process is, is rather difficult to explain if you take one of those you know, more complicated ones. So I'll take a very, very simple one. And, and I take this example from one of the videos that I watched on YouTube, a very simple one. Um, imagine yourself rolling a dice, right? You have six faces with six numbers. And imagine you have now not one, but 10 dice on your hands, right? And um, you want to roll the dice 
and that's your input variable. And what you want to do is on the other side, the sum total of what you get on the faces, you want to count those, you want to sum those up and you want to store that, right? And that's your output. You want to have a sum of a number and whatever transformation goes in the middle, you know, you're rolling it, it's standing still on the table. Uh, think of it as a small transformation. It's a simple process, right? You roll a dice, you get a number, you sum it up, you set it out as an output. Now, tell me, the chances of you getting a one on all of those 10 dice, it's extremely rare, right? You, the chances of you ending up with a 10, which is the extreme rare, and similarly, the chances of you ending up with um, a 60, which is six on all 10, it's even, um, it's extremely rare as well. So almost like luck, right? Most probably when you do this process over and over and over again, um, most often than not, you will end up being somewhere in the central zone, right? You will end up with somewhere in the range of 25 to 45, 50. That's a, that's a more convincing answer. Now, let's say you roll the dice and the first score you get is 25. Uh, you roll again, you sum it up, you get another 45. And you want to chart it out. Yeah, on your left axis, you have the numbers, the counts, the sum. On your right axis, you have the, the occasions. Number. And you swing between 10 and 60. Um, and you got these two numbers, 25 and 45. It's a huge swing. It's, it's a swing of mm -hmm. 25, 20, 25 points. And you go thinking, why that wild variation? Yeah, and, and what really caused it? It cannot be one dice because you know the highest sum that a dice can give you is six. It cannot be two dice. That will give you 12 at best, right? So the actual permutation combination of you getting that variation of you know 25 to 45 it's it's not controlled by one single variable but it's a interplay of multiple variables mm -hmm. this is often what we call in business language or or in process language as chaos right mm -hmm. and what you lack here is you don't have control if you if you really want to ask me in, in a single word what's the most essential element of finding whether a process is efficient or whether a process is even a good process is um, whether or not you have control. And all the world-class strategies, they talk about it in one way or the other. The Toyota production system or TPS, it relies on two concepts called Zidoka, which loosely means automation with human touch and uh, in just in time, both of which are about control. You're controlling the variables, right? You're automating mm -hmm. it, but anytime someone makes an error, you have a human being coming in and taking a look. Same with just in time. You want the material to arrive just about in time when you need it. So you're controlling the inputs, right? Yes. Um, Pokey, okay, the uh, next Japanese concept, it's about mistake proofing. You're trying to make it so yeah. simple and foolproof that you can't make a mistake. Um, Six Sigma, uh, Lean Six Sigma, the five principles, one of the main principles, the ending principle of the whole process is about control. The DMAC uh, framework, it ends with control. So the one element which is the most important uh, in understanding whether or not the process works, whether or not the process control. is a good process, let alone efficient, is control. Yeah, mm -hmm. uh, that's, that's how I look at it. That's great. Thanks. That's great uh, definition. I like it uh, a lot, uh, actually. Yes, control is, is very important. Yeah. I think yeah, eco control. It's it's not easy easy to have mm -hmm. it uh, if you, if you don't understand the process itself because most people they got annihilated inside the process itself. They try to control things that they don't understand. As you said, setting the control points it's one of the most essential and it's not easy one because most people when they go, I think I believe that most people, every one of us has random thinking, different thinking. I would say. 
And when it comes to set the control itself, it will vary from another, from, from a people to another themselves. It depends on understanding of the, the process itself or the capability of the, their, their, their understanding of the, the, the process itself. So as you said, and as you mentioned, uh, uh, urban control is one of the things that we should control any process. At the end of the day, we have to understand the full process. What are the variables, as you mentioned, like the dice itself? If I have six, it will be totally different when I have five, when I have uh, four, because the total output will be totally different and the probability will be totally different. So understanding and setting the controls, it's not, it's not one, it's not an easy, I would say, task itself. But what I can see from real experience also, most people, they start to blame the process. When you do any process, start to blame the process and start to blame the inputs, to exactly. start to blame the outputs itself, rather than just blaming themselves and understand, give themselves to understand how they can control the process, how they can give a clarity and just a quality mostly, time to understand it. Exactly. Mostly the problem is they don't give the process time to work and they start to blame maybe people. Uh, that, that things are not working or they are not measuring, uh, they are not giving enough time to measure a new process. So I think yeah, all these points will uh, will will go through, but definitely that's a great uh, definition, uh, Arpen, and a great way to great example to to elaborate on this uh, on this question. Uh, Ahmed, do you think we should take the question from? Uh, definitely, our uh, Doctor uh, Doctor Omar Ismail. Yeah. So he's from London. He's asking, who do you believe is responsible for mastering the process of your business thinking? <laughs> Interesting one. <laughs> Let me take a little bit of a digress to answer that, or, or at least attempt to answer that, Omar. Um, there generally, when you, when you look around this topic, when you poke around hard enough, you'll find two um, very linked topics. One is one says about process thinking, the other about system thinking. And um, it's easy to use them interchangeably time to time, but um, they do, do have their own merits, but they, they both also have a slightly different objective. And I want to take this as an example to try and um, uh, get this answer for you. Um, <coughs> if you think about this whole topic of process thinking, a process by definition, <laughs> ignores the past and the future. It is intentional almost. Mm -hmm. You want to think about the present event. And that's important. And that's important because uh, it allows people to take small incremental changes or improvements right that moment, right? Um, suppose um, you, you take this example of, you know, um, let's say you are you're riding a car, you're driving a car, right? And, and you usually, uh, while driving a car, you change your lanes. <laughs> Right? You change your lens. That's not a good habit, right? And in reality, if you think about it, um, all you need to do is try to follow the lane. And it's not that difficult, right? You, you, you have markings on the road. All you have to do is just follow the lane. So you can make a small improvement, a very, very minute improvement. And, and, and the rule of one percent or the rule of compounding makes it so important and efficient over the long run. You make those small changes and over the period of time, it ends up being a very, very big difference. Um, and the most important part of, of any process thinking is, is it's replicable, right? Um, mm -hmm. Imagine yourself winning a lottery, right? You, you got a 1 million bucks, um, <laughs> happy, lucky, elated. Can you do it again? What are the chances, yeah. right? You, yeah. you can't. Uh, I mean, unless you are 
the luckiest man on Very the lucky. planet. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> then I'm going to come knocking at your door and say, hi, hello, teach me the luck as well. But it's unlikely, right? But yes. take on the other end. Uh, if you were to um, study the, let's say, the stock market and you understood how to lead the fundamentals of a company, you understood mm -hmm. how to really understand the stock movements, uh, the, the different ratios of the company, you could, over a period of time, uh, predict where the stock movements would be, and maybe you know how to make $25, $25,000. Instead of a $1 million, you know $25,000, yeah. right? But that's fine. You can replicate it because you know now the process, and you can replicate it over and over and over again. You can make a million and two millions and three millions. So it's replicable. So those small improvements that you made that allows you to make a very big change. Now, come to hmm. the other side, uh, which is system thinking. Why is it so different from process thinking? If process is so brilliant, you can replicate it, and you know, in the present, you're making a change. Why, why do you really think about system thinking? The importance of system thinking comes when you try to bring some of these processes interplaying with each other, right? Um, mm. When was the last time you took a bus, right? You, you would have noticed, you know, you have a bus which takes you from one place, drops you another location, and in your mind, it's it's a simple process. It's a simple structure. It's a simple setup. But in reality, to make that happen, there's a lot more which is going in the background. There mm -hmm. is a ticketing sales system. There is an upkeep and repair of the vehicle. There is a safety measures, payrolls of the people. And each of these are different processes which come together to make a system. Now, yeah. oftentimes, now to get to your answer finally, sorry to take such a long time. Um, <laughs> oftentimes, what would you notice in an organization the slightly strategic leaders they are more responsible for setting the system thinking about how different yeah. parts of the organizations come together gel together to form one brilliant mm -hmm. uh, piece of value because you see one of the most important part of a um, of a system is that it has a purpose and second that it creates value right um, yeah. so slightly higher leadership it's their job to create the system thinking but mm -hmm. within that group the middle management and everyone for that matter is responsible for putting the process thinking uh, in it. Yep. Maybe not, maybe not the shop floor person by default, but maybe mm. someone higher up slightly to say, this is how you're supposed to do it, right? This is that you are supposed to follow a lane to make sure that you don't get injured because there can be things falling off from uh, over your head or that you have to, um, every time the light goes red, you have to switch off the molding machine, right? So. Who's responsible? It? I mean, everyone is, but um, in general, what you would notice in an organization is that slightly senior people are responsible for sitting the system together, whereas the middle management is generally responsible for setting the process together, for making sure that the process work and that each of these individual processes, they come together to create the value and the purpose that you want to serve. I hope I was able to give you some some nuggets Absolutely. of what you were looking yes. for. Brilliant! <laughs> thank you so much, Nana. It is, it is, it's, it's. Uh, I think it was to the point. This will leave us with something. If you allow me, you spoke about the system thinking and the process thinking. What could be the difference between the process thinking and the system thinking, based on your experience? Also, again, I'll take the same example, uh, Khalid, if I may, which is you know. Yeah, sure. Actually, let me ask you. Um, when was the last time you actually took a bus? Let's think about the system for a second. You took a bus off late? I took the shutter bus maybe today. You did? Okay. Said, and, yes. And, and this whole setup, what would you call it? Would you call it a process or, you know, ignore everything that I said just now, but mm. without that, would you call it a process? Would you call it a system? Would you call it a setup? What would you call it? 
I think it's more into system a little bit. I, I can yeah, see it from yeah. my my experience. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's rightly put. And and mm. um they both have their merits because you know mm. the ideal part of a system, what, what a system generally is, it's it's a group or combination of things that kind of mm. come together and it forms a a unitary whole, if you like, right? The whole transportation mm -hmm. setup of you know, picking up people from one location, dropping them to other location, that's the whole setup. And mm -hmm. like I said, there are two important concepts of, of a system. A system has purpose. In this instance, mm -hmm. the purpose is to move people from one destination to another. Mm -hmm. A system creates value. And in this case, maybe it creates an economical transportation mode, right? Because not everyone yeah. can mm -hmm. afford an Uber or can own a car. Um, yes. It may be that uh, one can imagine that it can reduce the pollution because there are lesser vehicles on the road if everyone were to take a public transportation. And that's creating values. But the system cannot work if any of the processes which come together to make the system fails. For mm. example, if you were to not pay the uh, the salaries of the drivers or the people, mm -hmm. the conductor who you know gives you the ticket, uh, they will not work. And, and, and if they don't work, the system will fail. So mm. to really ask uh, which one is a better one is, is slightly difficult to answer, to be honest. It's almost like a chicken and egg. But remember this, a process is a sequence of activities and mm. they have a, a single output in mind. Right? They always want to go to one single output. Uh, I would go as far as to say that a process is about how to achieve a goal, whereas mm -hmm. a system is about how do you bring all of this house to achieve those certain goals to get a much bigger goal. Um, and, and, and I said just some time back, it's, it's about, it's almost the one person effect. Um, if I can give you an example again, um, you've all heard about the Amazon forest. Right, um, it's huge. There are sixteen thousand species of plants discovered so far in the Amazon. Sixteen thousand—that's a big number, right? Uh, mm. And that's just how much we know about it. You know what you would find interesting—that most of the forest, uh, close to mm. um, eighty-five percent, ninety percent of the forest of these plants over mm. the entire Amazon jungle, are um, dedicated by two hundred and twenty-seven species. 16,000 species overall, <laughs> but 227,000 species who actually make up bulk of the jungle. How can that be? And it's, 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 it's this one person effect. It's almost like if you can imagine two trees growing together one by one, you know, side by side. Yeah. Each day one competes with the other to grow just an inch taller so that it can get the better share of sunlight and some better, yeah. better rain. And this keeps going up and up and up. And, and, and this, this process, this process of, you know, compounding each day slightly little bit is what allowed it to then spread its seeds across the entire forest. So um, really to ask uh, which one is a better uh, or which comes first, it's, it's really difficult to say. I'll just stop by saying that they both need each other and, and, and it is okay to sometimes think of them interchangeably as long as you are clear what you want to achieve. And sometimes you can mm -hmm. achieve it by something as simple as rolling a dice. Sometimes mm. it could be much more complex uh, and, and, and you need more than one processes and you could, you, I'd be happy to call it a system if they all work in conjunction. Hamamsi, yeah. if you allow me, huh? Yes, please. Thank you for the elaboration.
Um, because I, I, I listened too much about system and the pros thinking. And I got confusion because I thought that it's too, the two are the same mostly. But when you give this example that like uh, the, the process itself, could, you could have many processes inside the system itself. So just the process of payroll, the process of moving people, the process of doing something inside the system. But the system is, as you said, that it's something related to the values itself, how, how you can look at it at a higher level which is something very, uh, very, yeah, thank yeah. you so much. Great, great. And also elaborating with examples were, uh, were great, uh, Arpan. So uh, if we go to, uh, to, to the second like component, which is people, how to make sure that people will, will follow the process and that it is uh, sustainable from your point of view, because this is very important. You could have a great uh, process, a great system, but it doesn't work because people are not willing to do it. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, uh, people often say, and I think, uh, Ahmed, you also said this in your introduction mm -hmm. that um, people are the greatest assets. If yes. I can elaborate a little more uh, about that, yeah, um, I think there is a second layer to it, a more important layer to it. Um, of course, people are the most important assets. It's, it's easy to just say that one line, right? It's yeah. my biggest asset in Unilever are the people. Of course, we are, but more important than that it's it's not just the people it's the the culture that you set within yes. these people the interaction yes. of the people mm -hmm. that is the real asset right imagine you have True. the best of the minds in the world yeah like nasas of mm. the world right and and if they were to work in silos um yeah it it wouldn't give you the kind of value that you want to but sure. um Anyway, um, just to get back to your question, uh, how do you make sure that it's sustained? How do you make sure that people follow it? I personally think that it's it's a little bit about predictability. Um, it's a little bit about making sure that people understand and mm -hmm. can predict what's happening. No one loves the unknown. Um, everyone is scared of it. I mean, no matter how much someone goes and says, I go with the flow and I'm up for any challenge. Maybe they are, maybe they are, maybe they are young and you know they want to, mm a few adventures that's that's all right but in reality um the unknown scares everyone um yeah. take this 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 entire conversation right um i'm pretty sure some, both of you you have an alternate uh, power backup instead in case the power goes up <laughs> um you have a second laptop and a mic ready in case this goes up you're trying to predict this whole thing um i don't by the way but uh i have my phone <laughs> i have my phone yes, um, me too. But, um, <laughs> The idea is you're trying to predict this whole situation, yes. right? And and we love predictability, and and that that's how you want to sustain it. And what's even more important is, see, once you have predicted it, you get into a routine of it. Your subconscious takes over, and you're no longer thinking about it uh, consciously. When you go into the bathroom for your morning brush, you don't really think, uh, "I have to squeeze one ounce of toothpaste on my brush." Mm -hmm. You just know it, right? Because you've been doing it over and over for the last 30, 35 years, and um, that becomes a habit. And and the power of habit is uh, that if you if you really want to control a habit, if you really want to change a habit, you can't do it fast. If, but mm -hmm. if you can, if you do it slow enough, you can achieve mm -hmm. big things. And Again, um, I love examples, so I'm, I'm going to take one more. Yeah. Khalid, you look like someone who hits the gym quite often, <laughs> right? Is, is it fair to say? Did you, did you sure, definitely, yeah? definitely, yes, favorite? yes. What, what's your favorite? What do you what do? You do? What, what kind of ways do you pull? Uh, like, um, I like many Apple. things, actually. 
I like dumbbells. I like I like for sure biceps definitely. Mm. I okay. like playing by bars. I like playing also in inclination. So I have many things. <laughs> so let's let's let's. Uh, I'm gonna take a wild guess. Okay, so you said dumbbells. Let's say you pick up what you generally do: 15 kgs, 20 kgs. Is mm. it in the ballpark? More, right? more, Let, more. Okay, okay, 30 kgs. Let's go with 30. So you you do 30 kgs every day. Let's assume. Okay, you 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 really do a couple of reps of 30 kgs, and you you keep going at it every day. Now imagine that you want to pump up more. You want to gain more muscles on your biceps, right? And mm -hmm. and you think um you would you could either do one of the two things. You could either pick up more weight, or you could do more repetitions, right? Now mm -hmm. imagine so you do 30s. But you suddenly one day go and say, I want to make up more of my biceps and I want to pick up 60, like an mm -hmm. absolute double. What would happen the next day? Uh, screwing, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. You, you, yeah. Cannot, you cannot work worked out exactly. at all. <laughs> so, so what you have done is you have, you have introduced a huge change to your body. You see, yeah. um, the rapid change is in constant contradiction with equilibrium. <laughs> Our natural mm -hmm. tendency is to be in equilibrium. If you're seated, you want to be just peaceful. If you're sleeping, you want to be peaceful. You get a standard equilibrium. Your body and mind has set up into that habit, and you want to sustain that. The moment you say that you want to move from 30 to 60 kgs, your body rebels because mm -hmm. you are introducing too fast a change uh, in, yeah. in your system. And on the other hand, let's say you, you pick up, you know, 10% extra every day. You you go from 30 to 32 and you know 33 and 37 and 38 and 40 mm -hmm. and 50 and finally you hit 60. What you have done is you have incrementally introduced the change and your body over a period of time had gotten used to this new weight, right? And over mm -hmm. a period of time it's started to say, okay, I can do it. Mm -hmm. I can do a little more. So um, to go back to your question, the 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 two things that you need to, um, in my mind, okay, and again, I'm pretty sure there are different opinions about this around the world, but in my mind, the two ways to um, introduce change and sustain a process, especially when there are people involved, not machines alone, is you got to introduce change slowly and you're going to make it predictable. You cannot mm -hmm. keep changing too fast because then you're just going to break the system. Just like you will break your body if you were to yeah. you know, suddenly go to 60 and then to 80. In fact, if you go from 60 to 20 back, <laughs> even that's a problem, right? So you got to do it slowly and you got to mm -hmm. do it continuously, uh, but um, you're going to make it predictable. And, and, and that's important. The moment you do this, I think, I think over a period of time, uh, people build it into a habit and, and then you can sustain it. It's just the culture you're trying to build, right? You're saying, mm -hmm. I'm going to introduce change but I'm going to introduce it slowly. And that's the culture of the organization. And that's what the, the, the power of an organization is. It's not the people alone. It's the culture that you're setting into really? the organization slowly. 100%. 100%. If you allow me, if you allow me again, if you allow me again. I think open yeah. you. Go, go ahead, Hamas. Yeah, I think he touched on, 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 on a very important uh, subject because we say people, and uh, he's right, it's not only people, it's the communication, it's the, between people, it's the culture that you give to people, the freedom that you give the people uh, to, 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 to say their opinion or something or to, and, and exactly, introduce change, but not very rapid because they fear 
people are will feel afraid of this uh, change and they will uh, suddenly uh, the process will fail if, if you introduce change very quickly and i love how he explains everything with the example and of the body and all that that's uh, really uh, good and understandable i think for uh, for all hopefully for all our audience because it's a really great way to explain it thank you uh, arpan Thank you, Arpan. And let me also restress on what Arpan have, has already mentioned it, which is why most processes just fail because of the hard yes. transition, especially yes. when, when it comes to change management, hard transition. You need to, to take it on high speed. As uh, Arpan said, you can move from X into 10X, 30X, but people, they will not be able to cater for this. You have to understand the behaviors. As Arpan said that, you have habits and you cannot change these habits and this usual work on day or night or just on a moment like this it takes time so you have to give yourself a time to understand people to understand their requirements their challenges solve their challenges as we spoke at the beginning that if you factor the people into your process uh, we, we are going to tell you that 99 percent from the process will be sustainable if you take the voice of people into your process building and controlling it. But just moving it from just a, a harder transition will never serve the business at any point of time, definitely. This, yeah, this I'll, I'll go back to the culture, of course, because some uh, managers or top managers do that because they are not, they think they, they also, they are not staying for, for a long time. So they want to do a rapid change in the organization. Then they want to get, for example, a change. They want to get a certain level of profitability. And that's why they are pressuring, pushing, pushing, pushing people, pushing change quickly. And at the end, uh, most of, most of the cases from my experience, I've seen failure, uh, to, to, of trying to introduce a rapid change in the process or rapid change in the organization. 100%. Definitely. We can come back to our audience, send some yes. greetings. Yes, yeah, yes. We have our LinkedIn user. Hi, Hi from, from Cairo. Cairo. Hello. <laughs> Thank, Thank you, you so for much. Joining. Thank you. Our friend, uh, Bab Babasab Patil Babasab from, India. from India. Thank you. India. Thank, Thank you, you so much. Us. Our friend, uh, Shams Din. Good session. Thank you, for Thank you so Shams. much. For our also friend uh, Denrich. Uh, Sananda. Thank you. Thank, thank you for joining. Thank you so much. He's saying also that uh, great topic, big believer in process and critical thinking. Thank, Just, you. thank you so much. Uh, our friend Saifullah, great. Thank you so much for tuning thank in you as for well. Tuning in. Our friend Omar Ismail, he's just answering the question from uh, Arpan, the answer. Makes total sense. Thank you so much for answering the question. Thank you, Thank Omar, you Omar, for the Thank question. You, Thank you also. <coughs> Our friend Juliet, love how you broke it down with the bus journey. We'll think of my next bus a bit differently <laughs> when I want to process it. <laughs> I think, yeah, that, that's why the impact that will leave in people it's it's amazing thank, thank you, you so Juliet. Much, thank you so she's giving uh, a huge applause thank you so much <laughs> definitely we have our friend jb hey hey thank you so much for tuning in Hi, our friend uh, uh, cecilia. cecilia good evening from, from nigeria uh, from nigeria thank, thank you, you so cecilia much last but not least Juliet. she's saying the culture inclusion and the freedom you give people such meaningful and relatable examples. Thank, Thank you, you so Julie, much, guys. Feel free. Lovely comments. 
Thank Feel you so free much. to ask any uh, more questions, uh, our lovely audience, of course, and uh, uh, with our uh, great uh, subject matter expert, uh, Arpan. So, uh, yeah, yeah. So, Arpan, just yeah. if you allow me, I'll ask you this question. So, uh, are you saying that uh, not only process can be made predictable? Um, <laughs> not everything, but um, quite a lot, uh, quite a lot, yeah. almost 80-20 um, is the rule you follow there, 80% at the very least. And of course, I mean, unless you you think of, you know, going to a casino and gambling as a process, that's very difficult too, uh, unless you're a card reader. But then <laughs> essentially, um, I think a large part of it is, um, and again, it's 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 how the nature is balanced um you know quite a few things in nature they 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 like to go back to their balance and i and i mentioned earlier about the state of equilibrium and the state of yeah. natural identity you you cannot uh and it's not just human by the way huh? anything for that matter you cannot move away from your natural identity um mm -hmm. if you're a person who is gregarious in nature um no matter how much you try you will end up being there again if you, on the other hand, are a bit of an introvert, you you don't like, um, you know, big parties. No matter what you do, even if you throw in the middle of a party, you'll possibly find one of those sweet corners and get your mojito and and you know be yourself. So yeah. predictability is everywhere. In fact, um, the the famous eighty twenty rule that you know the the Pareto principle. It yeah. it, it was designed by uh, an Italian economist called, uh, named Wilfredo Pareto, and um, yeah. he was not so famous until he. He made this small one small observation. Uh, one fine day, uh, this gentleman he was he was uh, harvesting the peas from his garden. Yeah, just a very very small um, activity, right? So you, he's harvesting all the peas from his garden, and and he notices that a large part of his peas come from a very few of his pots. And when he really mm -hmm. calculated it, he noticed that it's almost like an 80, 20, 80% 80 of his peas are coming from 20% of the pods, and that got mm -hmm. him thinking: Why is it that? I mean, if it can happen in nature, and he being an economist, can it happen elsewhere? So um, he went about uh, in search of what is the wealth distribution for Italy. He's, he's an, he was an Italian. And um, he went about to find that, interestingly enough, 80% of the <coughs> land in Italy back then was owned by 20% of the wealthy people. Mm. And then he said, why don't I take this elsewhere? Let's let's try to go in anywhere else and see if this principle holds true. He did this for UK and he got all the tax records and, and just a matter of time before he came back with a slightly similar conclusion. It was, I think, 85-15 when he went and checked yeah. UK. So I guess, you know, even bigger <laughs> upper strata. But, you know, it, it gets around the same, same, same. Ratio, think of yeah. this on average, you know, it's around the same band. Mm -hmm. So um, it's interesting that almost everything in nature uh, finds its balance and, and predictability, <clears throat> at least 80% of it. And again, if you take the dice example, um, the dice, they are not predictable and hence they are called chaos. Of course, you have examples like them in mm -hmm. our nature as well, but there are also ways to control them and, and make them predictable. Now take the same example and extend it a little further. I said, you had 10 dice and you're rolling them again, just for you know people who have just tuned in the same example. You have a set of 10 dice, each ranging from one to six on all of its faces mm -hmm. and you roll them twice and you, you count the scores. You can get a score between uh, 10, which is one on each of the dice or 60, which is six on all the 10 dice right mm. so you can have that range now 
this is not predictable. When you roll it, you have no way to predict uh, what's the outcome. But now replace four or five of these dice with a different set of dice, four dice out, mm -hmm. four other dice in. But on these dice, uh, three of these dice, they have only the number one on all of the six faces. Mm -hmm. And one of the dice has either one or a two on all of the six faces. Okay. So now you have brought in a little bit of predictability in the system because now you know you can no longer go in a wild swing. And every time you have a wild swing, let's say I can take the same example, you know, 45, you have a first round of throw, you got a score of 25. The second mm. round of throw, you got a score of let's say 30. You can't get 60 or 45 anymore because you have replaced yeah. four of your dice. But now you know where to look because, you know, all those four dice, they can only give you a score of one. So mm. the important variables are the ones which gave you six. So now suddenly you have brought in predictability. Now you know that your swings are going to be much less wilder. And suddenly, if you think of it as a bell curve and a normal distribution, distribution. your extremes have shifted and your average has gotten somewhere else. And you now have a slightly thinner band to look for what there normally was. And, 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 and that's how you got in predictability. So while it may not be wide, very nature predictable, not everything, but you can bring in predictability by following SOPs, hard standards, all the principles like lean and, and, and uh, mm -hmm. uh, TPS systems, they are all about predictability. They are trying to control the system by bringing in that amount of predictability. And the DMake framework is, is it does a brilliant job by doing so. And what you're actually trying to see is if I have a problem, if I have control over the system, how can I analyze? How can I do a root cause? You no longer have to worry mm -hmm. about all the permutations and combinations of those 60, uh, you know, the, the 10 dice, but mm -hmm. you now only have to worry about the six dice. So, yeah, yeah to, to, to your point, yes, it is possible to a larger extent to bring predictability in the system. But of course, there will always be some unpredictable behavior. I mean, human beings can be unpredictable, right? That's, that's almost impossible to always predict them. Um, Nature can be unpredictable. The COVID instance, for example, was an extreme so, anomaly. Mm -hmm. But um, the other thing that you need to do is um, plan for these unpredictabilities. I mean, mm -hmm. most of the, um, I mean, not everything, but to some extent, most of these um, these these last two years, the, you would notice that the e-com sales for most of the FMCG companies have have Bones. quadrupled, tripled, yeah. quadrupled, yeah. right? Yeah. And yeah. companies which 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 had been investing in this space, they obviously did better than those who did not. So, yeah. could you have predictive COVID? Uh, absolutely not, impossible. But could you have done some preparation for a disaster to some extent? Perhaps, mm -hmm. perhaps. You know, yeah. there are companies which have done better than Resilience. others in this this yeah resilience. Hmm. Yes. Th thank you. Definitely. Definitely. Thank you. Thank you, Arpan, for for, for this uh, for this input. And uh, always we say yes, uh, like you said, uh, and then that uh, contingency plans and all that uh, companies should take it uh, seriously. And it's not like something you put in the shelf or in the drawer or or don't give it uh, attention, especially after what uh, what happened. So yes, uh, I like the the answer, of course, and try to uh, people try to then go back to equilibrium and uh, and we try to make things predictable for uh, for for us, of course, definitely. And so for sure, there is, there will be I would say limit as mentioned by Urban, there will be a limit of unpredictability, definitely, because we at the end of the day we are living in a VUCA world with full of volatility, uncertainty, ambiguity, and uh, I would say yeah, everything you have to be 
resilient. If there is anything that is unpredictable, you have to be very resilient in that time. How you can find a way to move the wheel again. Because yes. if, if your process is, you think that it will work 100% effective, it doesn't make sense. As, as we said, that practicality is totally different than theories. When it comes exactly. to the ground itself, there are many exactly. variables. There are many variables. And with the competition that we have and uncertainty that we have, you have to be very responsive and you have to be very resilient enough to respond to all of these uh, disruptions that happen on a daily basis or momently based with this uh, environment that we live in. So I, I echo your voice, Ahmed and Urban, on that point. Yeah, that yeah this is actually it reminds me of an example about also this predictability. And I remember also that uh, like when I started also, and it was a surprise for me, one of the top uh, management, they're telling me predictability and get the forecast to 95 to 100 <laughs> while we have 1,000 SQs. And this is the, the game <laughs> 17, 18 markets. So it, it is like... <laughs> impossible this is what we are uh, talking about <laughs> so again it yeah, was it will go back to 80 uh, to, the, to the 80 20 rule so my answer was 80 20 let's focus on the 80 20 and try to get this uh, this percentage that, that you are uh, that you want us to get <laughs> yeah so yeah yeah so yeah this will take us also to the next question uh, Arpan, we are talking about a real world-based situation where you're faced with a, sometimes with an idea or something that you hadn't considered before. And how do you react to this? And what did you do? Like, do you take it into consideration or tell us from your experience? Ah, there have been many, to be honest, but <laughs> let's, let's pick up something recently. I mean, you know, I'm, I was reading this book um, by Adam Grant. It, it, it says, Think Again. Um, brilliant yeah. book. Um, and and he speaks about this joy of being wrong in one of his chapters and uh, <laughs> i didn't understand this before i mean how when i first read it you I, I didn't understand how can you be happy about being wrong but then um there is there is almost a beautiful nuance in it um it's almost poetry if if, if you if you anyone who has heard about this whole juhali window right you have this one small box of yourself where you don't know what you don't know and that's all <laughs> often called the black box and and the 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 if, if you say knowledge is power i think there was a quote i read some time back if knowledge is power knowing what you don't know is wisdom right mm -hmm. if, you, if you can just, you know, shorten that small black box of your it's it's wisdom so i'll go back to one example that um, you requested for so this was not so long back um still fresh in my memory uh, me and one of my colleagues, we were working on this um, site project. Let's call it a site project back then because I was doing something else. And and uh, we were trying to try our hands on uh, machine learning and AI to create a superior forecast. And 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 since you speak about forecast in your previous yes. lesson, it, it kind of uh, jogged that memory. So we're trying to create a superior forecast. And, and um, it was exciting. Um, it was still new world for me. Uh, the early results were very promising. So obviously we had exciting people, Hi. excited, yeah. excited um, <laughs> bosses, and uh, you had all the support. I had all the support that I wanted. Yeah, and all I cared about was creating a forecast which is better than my current forecast. Get a forecast yeah. which is lesser prone to error. Get a forecast which proves that your forecast accuracy, if you like, or your biases yeah. are within the acceptable range. Accuracy is higher, bias is lower. And we got it. Uh, the early experiments were tremendous 
very happy. I still remember my first POC, brilliant colors, and everyone was so excited. <laughs> and then um, this was all POC, right? Sandbox, think of it as mm, sandbox. Yeah. And then I take it to a real life user. I say, um, excuse me, this is how you have been forecasting. This is your accuracy, but look at mine. Yeah, I, I got a number mm. which is driven by machine. I took all of your inputs and brilliant output. Tomorrow we'll start switching over. And this guy goes, okay, I see the merit in that. Absolutely. In fact, um, it gives me better bonus. Why not? But can you explain me how you got to it? And I said, uh, using machine learning. Uh, okay, that's fine. But explain me what went into it. What were the variables? Mm. What were the inputs? And I was annoyed. I'll be very, very honest. I was annoyed because I said, I'm giving you a forecast which has proven to be superior. I've given you a forecast where you don't have to toil around looking at 100 different reports <laughs> to create a number. I'm giving you a forecast which you accepted is going to get you a better bonus. Mm. Why do you care? And um, <laughs> what I did not realize is, again, the whole predictability. People are scared of what they don't understand and mm -hmm. and and it's important and if if you there was recent quote by um by i think an american engineer and and uh, edward deming if i'm not wrong and and he said mm -hmm. if you can't explain what you are doing as a process you don't know what you're doing yeah and exactly it's 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 important because you know the moment you think of it that way you're going back to the whole you know, system of values and predictability, because then it means that just because I got lucky in one POC doesn't necessarily mean that I can replicate it elsewhere. And that, that yeah. got me thinking, this guy uh, did have some merit. So one of my colleagues, she goes and still good friends, great friends. She, she explains to me that I've done this myself as a planner for so many years. And, and um, I would love to have some nuance of predictability. I want to understand what you got into it. Right. And, and since then, why was I wrong? And, and the joy I now sitting today after reading that book and that one line, mm -hmm. the joy of being wrong. And when I think back about that lesson, it was so, so profound that um, I, I had to change my whole thinking. I had to think about mm -hmm. no longer better forecast accuracy, but more about how do I explain it to forecast and uh, explain yeah. the forecast to someone. And today, um, I am one of the strongest protagonists of this topic in my organization. I, I keep pushing people to say, can you explain to me this number? If you can't explain mm -hmm. to me this number, how do you expect me to take it? Um, yeah. Best case scenario, you get the number right. 100%. And then I actually have no job, right? If I'm a planner. <laughs> Worst case, you get the number wrong and I have no job because mm. someone screwed up. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, so that's, that's one profound example. You know, the joy of being wrong there um, was infallible. I, mm. I still carry that lesson. There were many more, but this one just sticks out like a sore thumb every time, but yes. just, just to I, th I think it, it takes a very mature self-awareness to go to that level, uh, urban, because again, the human nature, it, we, we, I wouldn't say that we will never admit that we are wrong, but it takes a courage that to say that I have something here I need to change because at the end of the day I need to serve others. This is this is it's not easy one. It takes a lot of uh, self awareness and self courage just to say it. And as you said that 
from that point, I think it changed something. Definitely, it changed something in your your the way that you think, the way that you perceive with people, the way that you talk with people, because you want to serve them more. It's not about just machine learning. It's not. It's not about only artificial intelligence. It's not only about the output, but it's it's about how you can serve people and help them understanding and change impact them. It's it's not easy one. That that's why. Yes, definitely. Thank you for sharing. Definitely, this. yes. Thank you, thank you for sharing this uh, this example. It's uh, really enlightening, I think. Yes, thank you. So, uh, in the shadow of that, definitely from your experience, for sure. When do you think it's the right time to change a, pro a process itself? Hmm. Um, when's the right time? <coughs> ah, that's a difficult one. Um, I don't think, I don't think it it pops up one fine morning, you know, waiting for you on your desk saying you need to change it. It's it's see there are, there are big changes around the world. Obviously, you know the COVID, the current mishap that's going in in between Russia and Ukraine. These are big changes and and they happen yeah. often suddenly. But then there are lots of more small reasons or small changes that creep in. Uh, without you even realizing, yeah? and and um, so when to when to change it I, I guess when it starts um when you have a control over your process but it still stops giving you the desired outcome or mm. when the system those processes they support they they need to evolve themselves because the times are changing yeah uh, again um one of the famous examples uh of i, I love cars um let's start there yeah i, I love cars yeah. i i hate driving but i love cars um <laughs> yeah I, I know it's a bit of a paradox but so I, I have done a lot of um, reading on, on the history of automobile. And um, one of my favorites uh, is, is about Henry Ford, right? He, yeah, he revolutionized the automobile sector. And interestingly, he comes from, he came from a very, very uh, meager background. He, he was a son of a farmer. Uh, he never really, he wasn't the best in terms of technology. He wasn't the best engineer he didn't get the best of education he got decent education but then uh he revolutionized the industry and and um till about the early 1900s the late 1800s uh ford was the 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 top revenue earner in, in its sector it was it was leading the industry uh but in about the uh, early 1900s um i think that the times had changed a little bit uh because ford was looking for a very very utilitarian vehicle he focused on better engine power um better utility making sure that you know uh, you got a car which was able to drive right and his famous saying that any customer can get any car painted in any color as long as it's black i don't know yeah. how many of you recall it but that's a famous saying yeah. but yeah, it, famous. It, it, it almost yeah is like he he got arrogant at some point because of his infallible mm -hmm. success that preceded yeah. it and and he overlooked the fact that the times were changing and within in in less than a decade uh, Chevrolet take over, takes over the yeah. automobile sector. They they were the leader suddenly, and and even after all the changes that Ford made to, you know, he literally shut down a plant for five months. He changed a lot. He brought in some uh, different vehicles and designs. But that, by then it was too late. Chevy had become the uh, the leader. Uh, Ford had fallen behind on third, and in fact, um, they made kind of a similar mistake when they when they came to India, uh, when 
you know, I don't remember when, but India, in mm-hmm. India, Ford and Hyundai, they both entered the market at the same time. And mm-hmm. Ford focused on, on um, building cars which had better horsepower, better engine stability and robustness because mm-hmm. that's what Americans prefer, by the way, at least back then, you know, they, they preferred that. Yeah. Whereas the Hyundai, I think they understood the Indian uh, culture and mentality better. Mm-hmm. They, they understood that perhaps the Indian culture was more around fuel efficiency, right? And and utility. So if you look at, I don't know about the rest of the world, but in India, uh, most of the Hyundai vehicles, they, they are loved by the middle and the public class because uh, it's value for money. It's mm-hmm. fuel efficient. It has all the elements that you can think of. And 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 it's, it's really, really great customer service. Now, I don't say customer service wasn't there, but then Ford made the mistake of saying whatever worked earlier will work as well mm-hmm. now. Mm-hmm. So, um, I think, so to answer your question, Khalid, um, what's important is to keep your eyes and ears open. At times you will not realize uh, something all of a sudden, but if you just keep your um, eyes and ears open over the period of time, you will start realizing, feeling the pulse of, of what's happening. And as a leader, one of the important jobs that you have is not just uh, creating a system that works today, but trying to evolve it and ad- adapt it to the changing times mm-hmm. and create a system that works for tomorrow. Um, in fact, uh, one of the famous uh, uh, quotes that uh, I had read somewhere was, uh, it goes to something to the effect of, um, the, the, the main job of a leader is to be not to be indispensable in a day-to-day activity. They can be, they can leave it along for the rest of the guys. And the, the, the main job of a leader is to be indispensable when it comes to their thought leadership. And, and that's their main purpose, to think about when the times are changing and when the process needs to adapt or when the, the system needs to adapt. Because the process in itself ignores the past and the future. I told you about that and mm-hmm. the process focus mm-hmm. on present. But for the processes to change, you first need to have um, a sort of a domino effect coming from the top down, seeing the system needs to adapt and evolve. And that's the job of a leader to make sure that with the changing times, with the changing uh, mm. scenarios, you are trying to bulk up for what's going on to happen in, in the next couple of years. Um, Amazon, um, I mean, take that example. When when Amazon rose its first, uh, I think, 50 millions, if, if I remember, I don't remember the exact number. When the first mm. time they, they, they you know, try to put together money. Um, Bejo's job, Bejo's, he had to go around so many investors and uh, most of the investors, they asked, what is an internet? Right? Back in those days, what is the internet? Yeah. It's, it's the vision that this guy had to think about what could happen. And make no mistake, Amazon could have yeah. failed as well because the dot-com yeah. bubble, it took away many of the organizations. So it could have yeah. failed as well. But it survived. Let's just say, you know, it could have been any organization. Let's just say for the sake of conversation. Um, yeah. But the vision that this guy had and he, the, the, the thought process he put in to say, I will explain to 100 people if it required to explain what internet is, because I believe that it's what is going to happen in the coming days. And, and I'm going to build a system for that time. So when does the system need to change? When does the process need to change? I guess when the times are changing and, and, and uh, the only way to do it, to only, the only way to understand that indeed the times are changing is keep your eyes and ears open. You cannot be... Uh, Henry Ford. Let's take that example. <laughs> yes, I, I think I like how you connected it, uh, Arpan, which is when is the best time to uh, change the process when the outputs, the desired output is not there. There is something, a breach that we have to admit in the process itself. 
that we need to have to have a revamp inside it and the, the rigid mind inside the business will not serve you will not help you at all that because simply if you keep doing what you're doing you will keep getting what you're getting so you have to be flexible if the process is not working at all just or, or in a, on a way you have to be flexible to understand as you said what are the gaps and how you can control it and how you can make it work based on the people's and based on the feedback or based on the desired outputs uh, definitely you touched upon a very interesting uh, word by the way khalid you said feedback and and um mm. uh, there is often this this mentality uh, that have you will all notice that feedback is often <laughs> Uh, associated in people's mind as something negative you know someone yeah. comes up <laughs> i have feedback for you uh, they often think it's it's negative and it can be but the whole um, purpose of a feedback if you really take away all the emotions from it mm. important by the way huh? if, if you have to take away mm. all the emotions if you take away all the emotions from a feedback a feedback is just feedback it's not positive or negative it's something that if i were to give you a feedback it's something that i noticed that you did which could have been done differently and exactly. the different in your mind could sound like because i do it this way anything which is different than this is wrong is wrong and hence yeah. that person is being critical on me <laughs> yeah that's not right that's not right because if you if you're not open to that feedback the moment you see people people they 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 don't like to be told that they are wrong and 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 uh, it's it's human nature right so um you're right you're absolutely right 100% agree with you khalid feedback right how do you take feedback from the people who give you feedback how you create a culture that you know promotes feedback awesome. how do you take feedback from your customers from your consumer yeah. from your competitors from your competitors it's important yes. uh, maybe they're not telling you everything that they 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 should be but you should be hearing what they're not saying that's also important 100% definitely definitely you should uh, you should accept that uh, that you may be wrong and you take this feedback and it may be constructive and maybe change their whole perspective about uh, something or lead you to something great so definitely i agree with you yes thank you so much arpan i think as we said always the time is flying now we yeah. uh, we have uh, if you allow me let's take the last question just to yes, close please. this I think uh, our friend Ghada, Salam, she's asking, can we change the whole process immediately or gradually? Okay. Uh, I, I think I did touch upon this, but let me again ask yeah. you this yeah. instead, Ghada uh, uh, Salam. Um, uh, let's assume that you don't eat spicy food, right? You don't eat spicy food. Let's assume that. I'm taking a guess, okay? So don't shoot me for this. Um, <laughs> but let's assume you don't. But you want to try Mexican, or you want to try the Indian cuisine. Uh, you want to build a taste for it. Um, if you were to go to, if you were to come to India and and said, "Give me the spiciest dish," and I gave you in our country, there's a famous chili called ghost chili. It's one of the spiciest chilies in the world. Okay? <laughs> it's it's really crazy. Um, if I were to give you that, can you really? um eat it or survive with that right you, you cannot you would say next time someone gave you a dish like that you would just spit on it i don't oh, want boy. it yeah. because you have introduced something very very fast right uh and instead if you were to slowly build up an appetite for it right over a period of time you will start liking it there is a there is a taste to it uh, same with chinese i i uh, younger days um in india uh the chinese cuisine 
is um, how to put this. I don't want to use the word adulterated, but it's very different. Uh, the, the real Chinese cuisine is slightly, often slightly bland, right? So it, it doesn't come mm. with a lot of spices, more about herbs, um, right? Whereas in India, uh, Chinese is also spicy. Um, so if I were, when, when I started um, eating Chinese uh, in my early days, and I come from the northern, northeastern part of the country where, you know, Chinese is, is, is quite, quite famous, but a different kind of Chinese. Uh, okay. There's a word for it. It's called Tengra Chinese. And, and mm. um, I like that. But, but the first time I went to this, this authentic Chinese restaurant uh, in, in Bangalore, and um, I was out with my colleagues, uh, office colleagues. I just got in a job and, you know, there was this office outing and they, they took us to this, this nice posh Chinese restaurant and there was a buffet. And I went from one end of the buffet to the extreme other end, not finding what I want to eat because I didn't like anything. For me, it was a shock. It was a shock that someone introduced such a big change in the whole definition of Chinese cuisine for me. <laughs> I couldn't accept it. And, and um, so to answer your question, uh, Gada, fast is not the way to go. You have to do it gradually. You have to do it slowly, step by step. And, and then your body gets used to it. And then your mind gets used to it. It becomes habit. And um, when you're making a change, your conscious tries to, your conscious mind, it tries to put every effort to deny it. Every day, if you want to go for a run, if you're not a runner, after some time, your body will start denying it. And you'll find reasons to not go for the run. But if you were to do it slowly and steadily, you know, just, just a little bit extra every day, if you don't want to run a marathon, I run marathons. If I, when I started running marathons, I didn't start with 25 kilometers on day one. I started with half a kilometer. I couldn't do no. one freaking circle of my entire apartment. <laughs> but you start to do it slowly and gradually, your body gets used to that little extra. And over a period of time, your body gets used to the whole process. And that's, that's very true for every single thing. Whether it's an organization, it's a process or a system, you start to introduce it slowly enough. People get used to it and 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 people are very, very important in a system. If you were to think about a machine, right? If you if you if you took a car which which drove up to a 120 kilometers per hour speed, it can only go to 120 kilometers. It cannot do 121. It cannot do 121 because that's yes. how it's been built. But um, when it comes to people, you don't have those those breaks. Mm. Yeah, you don't have those limits. So you have to be careful. You have to be careful like a baby teaching them one single word every day as they grow up. And over a period of time, they'll surprise you with the amount of big sentences that they throw at you. My two and a half years, she she makes me crazy by with her with her mumbles <laughs> of late. And 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 I don't think she learned it in one day, right? It just took her two and a half years. So gradually, please, absolutely gradually. Great. Thank you so Great. much. Thank you, Arpan, for your great presence today and the great values and the amazing stories, inspiring stories with these great examples. Definitely, it was, as we mentioned at the beginning, it's a knowledge that you will never mm. find the books. Pleasure yes. to have you today. And yes, it's a big pleasure, yeah. And uh, exactly as Ahmed said, uh, a lot of values we got from you. And thanks, of course, for the active participation from uh, from from our lovely audience also. Thank you so much today for uh, for this great episode. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks, everyone. It was lovely Thank being here. Thank, Thank you so, so much. much. Have Thank a great so day. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank, Thank you. Thank you for listening to our Global S&OP Community Podcast. We hope that you have absorbed some values from this episode. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast to be notified every week 
with the new episode. You can visit our website ahmedkhaled.co or ahmedkhaled.co We believe that one word, one story or one conversation could transform your life. Stay tuned next week with a great thought leader in S&OP. Have a wonderful week ahead.